0: You're listening to the Power Place Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch the service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org. Thank you. Good morning, church. Hey, if you, in case you didn't know, I belong here, I'm family. That's right. Your pastor and I, 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 I figured it out because I've been stalking y'all online. Your pastor and I are cousins, there's no doubt, 100%. In case you didn't know, he has a thing for chocolate, and I'm here, okay? Chocolate is here, baby. And I'm excited to serve you this morning a steaming hot plate of Jesus Word. So I want you to grab your Bible and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15. By the way, in case you didn't see or notice, my name is Alan Griffin. I am your evangelist. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, God has blessed us. Uh, We are itinerant preachers. That means we travel all over and preach Jesus all over the world. It's a glorious, great job that God has given us. And I've been married to this Beautiful lady over here, Hush Marine, for 22 years. Honey, would you come up here and say hi to everybody? This is my wife, Hush Marine. Hey. Good morning, family. It is so good to be here. We absolutely love the church. I just told Alan during worship, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best church. It's amazing. I think we want to move here. You want to leave the heat? Wait, hold up. <laughs> it was 81 when we left Florida, so. But we have two boys at home. They are 18 and 15, and their name is Israel and Isaiah. They say hello. They look like Alan with my hair, (laughs) if you want to picture them. But it's so good to be here. We are so believing for an amazing move of God today. Mm. Yeah. If I'm chocolate, you're hot chocolate, girl. Hey. (laughs) I'm never getting invited back. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 15, if you're there, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're not there yet, say hold on now. Okay, y'all need to hurry up. I haven't eaten anything yet except for a few things. (laughs) By the way, um, as you're looking that up, as you depart today, um, you can meet my wife. You can meet uh, my, hopefully I'll be out there. I might be in here. Because uh at the end we're just gonna be believing God and praying for people for breakthrough physical and, and spiritual and emotional. And um the Lord gave me a word today already that cancer's gonna get canceled, and so we're just gonna pray um complete restoration and healing over some of you. And I just believe even those who might be watching online, are we live online right now? Because the Lord gave me a word. Somebody's in their car. Pastor mentioned it. Somebody's in their car driving. You need to turn your car around and get to the house of God right now. I know you're heading to go get coffee with a friend. I want you to get that friend and get here because God wants to do something in your life. He wants to physically and emotionally heal and restore you. There's another person watching online. Your marriage is in trouble right now. You've been dealing with some things and and some trust issues and God's going to bring restoration. At the end of the service, you and your lady, grab your hands together. We're going to pray through the airwaves and God is going to restore your house. Your house will be restored. Um, but uh, what was I saying? As you, as you walk out, you can meet us. We'd love to hug your neck. But um, uh, Pete and Laura uh, invited us to help launch something important um, with you. Everybody say, I'm a part of it. I'm a part of it. Um, we're going to reach uh, the unadopted teens in the foster care system right here in your community. And we're going to do it with Jesus. And so um, we met yesterday and had a bunch of people gather together to talk about how we can better reach kids in foster care in your community. And um, I want you to know that the plan that your church has established, that your leadership has established, is going to stomp the devil into the dirt. It's incredible. So I want you to be ready to go out in that hallway, give them your name and your cell phone number so we can harass you about how you can partner to see supernatural things happen in their lives here. And we'll share more about that at the end, but I just wanted to prepare you up front. Um, By the way, here's a commercial. Um, You can get this message today in its entirety on DVD. I might not make it through it. You never know what the Holy Spirit's gonna do, so I want you to know you can get it on DVD and CD. It's called The Aroma. There's a companion message in there called the place setting, which I was preaching that. That That's a great message. And it's DVD and CD. Wait, you didn't do what I want you to do. When I open it, you have to make me feel good. You have to go, ooh, ah. Ready? Go. I love all of you with an everlasting love you could get a copy of this back there also our best-selling book undefeated is available back there um undefeated people um ask me about what it's about every time they come to the table what is that book about well uh many years ago charisma publishing approached me they said we want you to write some things for us and here's the deal you can write this one about anything you want i said oh here we go they said well, well what do you want to write about i said victory victory. And and, and I said, listen, there's a difference between success. There's a lot of books on success out there, but there's a difference between success and victory. See, success is doing well and it's always metered by who prescribes it or describes it. But victory, there is no specifics. There is no little bitty description. Victory stands out above all. If you're a Penn State fan, you might know what victory looks like. If you're a Philadelphia Flyer, you might know, or Pitt Penguin, you might know what some victory looks like. I'm a Detroit Lion fan. We don't know what victory looks like. But if you serve Jesus, you know what victory looks like. It's when you walk around and the people that know you now go, "Uh uh-uh, that's not the person I knew years ago because of Jesus. There's a difference in your life. That difference is called victory. And this book is all about seeing that take place in your life, whether you're a a new person in a relationship with Jesus or you've been serving Jesus all your life. Victory is the blessing of obedience to God. So you can get that. If you're a man in here and you love your mama or your wife, you can just run up here and take that. That's for you. If you want, you love your mama or your wife. And he knows what's good for him. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I love my job. Okay. Where was I? I'm in the Bible. This message, by the way, is brought to you by the Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to start at verse 13. Here we go. A messenger came and told David. He said, the hearts of the people are now with Absalom. Free Stop. What had happened was King David was living in the palace, life was good, and all of a sudden, his son Absalom, what's that name? Conspired to steal the kingdom from his daddy and murder his daddy. If some of y'all think that's messed up, you can say it, that's messed up. up. Mm -hmm. Some of you think your family's messed up, ain't nobody trying to kill you yet. So the messenger came and told him, verse 14, Then David said to all of his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, he says, Come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must move immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us, bring ruin on us, and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him and said, Our servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. So the king set out, with all his entire household following him, but he left 10 concubines to take care of the palace. I'm not, I'm gonna explain that. That's gonna be Isaiah's job next week. So the king set out with all the people following him and they halted at the edge of the city. All his men marched past him, along with the Carathites and the Pelathites and all the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. Let's skip down to verse 23. The whole countryside wept aloud as the people passed by the king also crossed the Kidron Valley and all the people moved on toward the wilderness hmm. Zadok was there too and all the levites who were with him were carrying the ark of the covenant of God they were carrying the ark of the covenant of God they were carrying the ark of the covenant of God what were they carrying the, ark of the covenant of God. what is the ark of the covenant of God what is that? Oh, he said it. Who said that? He said it. Somebody said it. A wooden, who said it? Big wooden box. Big wooden box. She's right too. Big wooden box. Let me explain. Some of us are new to this, this whole Ark of the Covenant thing. Maybe you've seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay? And you're like, whoa, don't open the Ark, you know? But here's what we know about the Ark of the Covenant of God. In the First Testament of the Bible, God was so really kind and generous. This is what he did. He said, I want you to build a box. And and you're going to put some things in that box, but I'm going to put something in that box. I'm going to put part of my presence in the box, like my sister said, the presence of God. And wherever you go, he says, carry the box. Wherever you live, bring the box. Wherever you camp, bring the box. I'm not just a God who wants to lord over you. He said, I'm a God who wants to dwell among you. That's really cool. In the New Testament, Jesus said, get this, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you are the box. Isn't that great? It was wood. Now it's you. You're the box. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a good-looking box. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> so they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar offered sacrifices. Somebody say that word, sacrifices. This is so important and so good. You just wait. He offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving The city. Father, I pray this morning in the time that we have that you would supernaturally transform us by the renewing of our mind in the Word of God. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name and everybody say, Amen. 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 I was reading this story in the Bible and all I could think is, Here we go again. David's running for his life again. Trouble, problems, issues, all kinds of chaos. Wait a minute, it sounds like Murica. All kinds of stuff going on in David's life. You know what I noticed about David? David seemed to always be running for his life. I mean, whether he is out in the field watching his sheep, and all of a sudden lions and tigers and bears want to eat his sheep, right? He's fighting for the sheep. Or he goes out in the field to bring some Cheese sandwiches to his brothers and all of a sudden a huge champion named Goliath steps out. Or if he's serving Saul in the court of the king and Saul gets mad and jealous and throws a spear at him and tries to kill him while he's leading worship. I don't care who you, worship leader, don't you dare complain. Your pastor ain't throwing no spears at you, dog. Your job is good. It's cushy. David was always running for his life. There's always somebody messing with David. But what I love about David is this. No matter how many times he was under attack, no matter how many times things came against him, David never quit. He never gave up. He never stopped serving God because he was struggling. David endured. How can we endure through all the obstacles and situations that seem to come our way every single day? How do you and I overcome? David chose us the way. Not only was David running for his life, David had to deal with some crazy stuff, y'all. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, (laughs) all of a sudden, David and these people are leaving the city, and all of a sudden, a hater appears. Y'all got haters out here? Y'all know what haters are? You got those? They wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning. They drink Haterade and eat hater tots. They're people that it seems like when things are going bad, they pile on and make it worse. You ever had those people in your life? Oh, man, I'm going to tell you right now. Ministers, we, we see it all the time. It's like, man, that service didn't go the way I wanted. Somebody walks out, well, you know, I was believing for miracles today, pastor, but you messed it all up. Today. You're like, oh, my goodness, I want to cut you with the love of Jesus. Amen. Haters, man. David had a hater named Shimei. You can say that name if you'd like. Shimei, because that's a new cuss word. I just made it up. You walking around, you stub your toe, be like, Shimei. Shimei was the hater of the highest order. Listen to what Shimei said to David while he's leaving the city in seeming defeat. David is leaving the city and Shimei goes, oh, I see you're leaving the town in defeat, David. You know what? You ain't nothing but a murderer and a scoundrel. And he picks up some dirt and rocks and throws them at the king. He's hitting the king with dirt and rocks. Let me paraphrase this in in the ghetto translation. David's mighty wind, come up to David and go, king, please, 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 king, let me go up there and bust a cap. That's what it says in the ghetto translation somewhere in there. Can you imagine somebody throwing dirt and... oh, Oh, my goodness. and and, and Abishai, his name is faithful and true he goes please please king let me go up there and take him out and David says this to his mighty men he says my son my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me how much more than this Benjamite this man of the tribe of Benjamin who by the way was in love with the former reign of Saul and because that was family he didn't want this new reign of David he said leave him alone let him curse for the, for the Lord has told him to, it may be, or perhaps, I like that word too, that the Lord will look down upon my misery and restore to me, this is good right here, his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. What did he say he's going to restore? His covenant blessing. Ooh, I'm about to preach right now. I hope y'all can handle it because my pastor says this, that teaching is telling it and preaching is yelling it. I plan on doing a lot of yelling right now because the covenant Blessing set something off for me. It showed me the beginnings of how to walk through difficult seasons and situations. I see that David seemed to never lose his composure, even though this stuff was happening to him. Why? Why did David not take out Shimei? Because David learned, never fight a distraction. Never fight a distraction. Don't fight your critics. Don't you dare fight your critics. Listen, what was David's uh, 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 title? What was he? King. You know why kings fight? Why God told the kings to fight? He said, you will enlarge the kingdom. And you will protect the kingdom. That's why you fight. Enlarge the kingdom or protect the kingdom. That's it. You don't fight because somebody talks about your mama. You don't fight your critics. You know why? Because what God said to to King Saul and David is this Your enemy will never be able to stand against you because I am with you. In other words, everything you fight, everything you fight and everything you fight for, you win and you possess. So if everything I fight, I possess, I ain't fighting my critics. Because if I fight my critic, I get what my critic has, I get critical. So I don't fight my critics. I fight for, see the world knows a lot of things the church is against, but they don't always know what we're for. I fight for the wounded, the weak, the broken hearted. I fight for those who don't have, those who need. I fight for Operation Christmas trial. You're like, oh, we sent how many Christmas gifts? Are you, That's nothing, that ain't nothing. That's 60 kids that go, there is a God. They won't know we're Christians because we smile and say Merry Christmas. They'll know we're Christians because of our love. And love is not talk. Love is a gift in the hands of a child that has hope in Jesus Christ. You are the answer. Oh my goodness, don't fight your critic. That's why I don't go on Facebook on Sunday night. Pastors, only pastors understand this real quick. I don't care what you think about my sermon. I don't care. My wife and my mama said I'm the best preacher they don't ever heard in their life. I am trying to hear what you think. <laughs> Shh, I don't come to your job and tell you how to cut wood. Shoot. Right, pastor? Tell them, pastor. That's what I'm talking about no get this we are fighting for generations that are wounded we're fighting for people who don't know jesus and as long as we fight for them we will have them they are our inheritance we must fight the right fight but the right fight requires the right mind and we must have the mind of Christ. And David displayed this, this mind that we need. This is so good. Okay. The reason why some of us struggle and others want walk in victory is because there's only two points to this message and we're going to lunch. Number one, we have to remember our identity. Remember your identity. Remember, when you're going through a difficult situation, circumstance, or problem, remember who you are. Pastor said it earlier. Y'all just don't know often who you are. You don't know who you belong to. You don't understand. I've come to affirm that. We need to remember our identity. We know who we are. Do you know you were made in the very image of God? (laughs) Made in the image of God. That's crazy. Some of the reasons why we love our children so much is because they look like us. That's why people, not all people are are willing to adopt because they love the fact that their children look like them. Even if you ugly. You want your kids to be ugly just like you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never getting invited back. I'm... But you weren't just made in God's beautiful image. You were made not only in his physical form, but with his physical functions. Yeah. See, he speaks. He wants you to communicate. He, he hears. He wants you to, to listen. He, 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 he restores. He wants you to restore. He forgives. He wants us to forgive. You have the gifts of God, the physical functions of the creator. Only thing in creation that can forgive is what separates us from animals, is that we can forgive. I wish you would kick your dog more than once. And see what happens. You kick it the first time. Go ahead and try and kick him the second time. You even lift your foot. Why? Because your dog has no ability to forgive. They can forget, but they'll never forgive. That's why we know that we were made in the image of God, handcrafted by the creator. You are not just anything. You are created by God. The Bible says he formed you of the dust of the ground and breathed into your nostrils the ruach, the very breath of life. Handcrafted by God. Everything else in creation, he said, let there be, let there be, let there be. When he came to you, he said, let us make. He spoke that, he worked you. Workmanship. That's huge. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to keep his hands on me. I want him to get his hands dirty, developing me into who he wants me to be. I want the hand of God on my life, continually forming me into who I need to be. Smells are part of it. Let me explain. Part of knowing who you are is understanding that if we take science, theology, and technology and combine them, we get a fuller understanding of who we are and our value to God. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you're made in the image of God, remember I said physical form and physical function, sniffing can help us understand God's love for us in the horrific times we might face. Come on, Alan, you are crazy right now. You telling me if I, (laughs) that will remind me that God cares about me. Listen, here's the deal. I struggle with it too. When bad things happen to me, when hardships come my way, I tend to immediately default to, you know what? I would pray about this, but God doesn't care about my little issue. You know, God, there's so many other things going on in the world. Why would God even waste his time on this little situation? It's just annoying. That's all. It's just this little, and it's so funny It's the enemy's way of deceiving us into not talking to God about everything. And so I want to take one of the smallest things that you can imagine and help us understand the value that you and I have to God. Just a sniff. Just do it one time. Okay, if you can't smell, we need you to go home. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Listen, smells are powerful. Right? They can change a whole atmosphere. They can change a whole room. I'll never forget. uh, Yesterday, I walked in your church for the first time, and mm, your church smelled like victory. You know what victory smells like? Coffee and cleaning products. Fabuloso and coffee. Glory be to God. I've been to some churches. They smell like dirty diapers and bad decisions. Once again, probably not getting invited back, but I've been having fun here. (laughs) But they're powerful. let, let Let me explain this. Some of us think God doesn't care about our circumstances and situations, and we face obstacles all the time. And the reason we don't laugh at those obstacles is because we don't understand our value. And the reason we don't understand our value is because some of us have neglected science, theology, and technology. We've ignored it. We think God doesn't care, but we don't even know how our body works, but God doesn't care about it. Let's study it real quick. Your brain is so sophisticated, it can break down the elements of complex chemical compounds to animate an oral understanding of its identity. In other words, you could just be hanging out, sitting in church, and go, bread. Hold up. But you didn't even smell bread. Do you know what you smell? Flour. Salt. A little water, maybe some oil, and your brain put it together and went, bread. You can even determine if, what kind of bread it is with one sniff. Wheat, rye, pumpernickel. <laughs> you can determine if it's good bread or bad bread. Well, shit, I burnt up that bread, y'all. Everything you can determine with one sniff. How does it work? Let me explain. You have millions of receptors in your olfactory epithelium. Over 450 just different types of receptors. These receptors send electrical signals to olfactory bulbs that extend sense to the piriform cortex and the thalamus gland. Now this sounds deep, but it's not that deep. The piriform cortex identifies the smell. Barbecue. (laughs) Yeah. This is spiritual. (laughs) Then the... Thalamus, the relay station, extends that signal to three places simultaneously. The orbitofrontal cortex determines the taste or the pleasure of the smell. So you're hanging out, you smell what? Did you smell barbecue? barbecue. Then the, the orbitofrontal cortex goes, good barbecue. See, there's a difference, okay? Not just barbecue. What kind of barbecue? Good. Then the hippocampus draws a learned response to what you smell. So first it's, barbecue. then it's. then the hippocampus goes eat it eat it now okay that's my mind says that all day then the amygdala draws on a memory of that aroma so it goes this is spiritual i'm telling you then yes then finally fourth of july 2017 that was a great barbecue we call those smemories. Actually, I made that word up. <laughs> I'm going I'm to put it in Wikipedia later. Smemories. Everybody has smemories. Good smemories, bad smemories, but everybody's got a smemory. Okay? You might walking around, you smell a smemory at the mall. You're walking around, you're smelling a, a smemory. And I had the time of my life. You know what I'm saying? Good smemory. Kicking it. Or you go to the county fair. You smell and you reminds you of your senior year, and she dumped you. You Now we've come to the end of the road. Susie! Y'all know what I'm talking about. Act like you don't know. Everybody's got some memories. <laughs> Did you know that God has some memories? And that this aroma thing helps us understand our value. Do you understand? Okay, here we go. Genesis chapter eight. Genesis chapter eight. The Bible says this, that Noah, my favorite biblical character besides Moses, is Noah. And Noah, the Bible says, was saved, he and his family, from a great flood that came and destroyed the earth. There was great sin on the earth, but Noah walked with God. And the Bible says that he commanded Noah and his family and seven, a very ceremonially and socially clean animal, and two of every ceremonial and socially unclean animal to go into this big ship called the ark. And after the flood had diminished, the Bible says in Genesis chapter eight that Noah and his family, in verse 20, come out of the ark. And the first thing Noah did, the Bible says, then Noah built an altar to the Lord. Taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Then the Lord, hold up, here we go, smell the pleasing aroma, and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. All of a sudden, rainbow, there's a ribbon in the sky for our love. God establishes a covenant on a smell. A smell. Hold up. We're about to go deep. Let's dive in and have some fun. What did David do when he was running for his life? He says, hey, priests, Levites, grab the ark, grab the presence of God, get the box. And he stands there while his entire army, while all his people march by him, and Abiathar offers sacrifices the whole day. Why? A You see, that aroma was the establishment of a covenant in Genesis. Here's the covenant that all of our Jewish people would agree on. I will be your God. You'll be my people. Walk in the way I command you that it may go well with you. That's the covenant. That's the covenant. And when that covenant was established, it was established with an aroma. An aroma that goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. And that aroma began something that God said, listen, I want to have a barbecue with you. That's why pastors being so dynamic about you getting with your family over Thanksgiving, because a lot of times we fast, but we forget to feast. You see, God is in your fast, but God is also in your feast. And the Jewish people believe that when they offer a sacrifice on the altar, the altar was not just a place where things die and where things are resurrected. The altar was a place of fellowship with God. And they believe when they put something on the altar that God came and ate with them and they'd hang out with God. So the barbecue aroma was a reminder of fellowship with God. It was a reminder of communion and and, and love and, 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 and Jesus and all the spirit of God together in one place. Wow. Huh. So when David's running for his life, he says burn the sacrifice, burn the sacrifice, burn the sacrifice. Abiathar starts offering sacrifices and Dave is walking around. I remember. Oh, God, I'm not burning this for you to remember. I'm burning this for me to remember. I'm burning it for me to remember that you've never failed me. You never turned your back on me. You never walked away from me. I'm remembering that, God, you have always been there for me. When Goliath tried to kill me and Saul tried to kill me, you didn't let him. You have a plan for my life. I know my Redeemer lives. Let me transliterate that. Can you smell? what Jesus is cooking. I think that's how it goes. That's just weird, but it's funny. You remembered. I love this too about David. David was weird. Aren't you you glad that God doesn't just use normal people? David walked around and he always did something weird. I'll explain more later, but he kind of walked around and went da-da-da. Da-da-da. People are like, what is wrong with this fool? Da-da-da. He was always singing, wasn't he? Always. And so he had this moment. and, And then he began to walk in victory. Huh. I was thinking about the aromas and throughout history, how they've impacted God. That smells our memories to God. You might say, well, Alan, you're silly. Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, God gives us a Moses a prescription for the original anointing oil. And when he gave him this prescription, he said this: This is an ointment compounded according to the art of a perfumer. Yeah, is a perfume, a cologne. He said, You're not to put it on common man's flesh, but on prophets, priests, and kings. Because they didn't have kings yet, but prophets and priests at that point. And, and he said this: it shall be a holy seven times in that one chapter, anointing oil to me throughout all generations. I read that and I said, oh my goodness, God had a signature scent that he wanted on his servants. He wanted them to smell a certain way when they walked around. That is so cool. He marked them with a scent. I love it because when they anointed Saul, they used a a flask of oil, which is like a pint, like a little small little thing. But when David was anointed, the, the Bible says he told Samuel, take your horn and go six quarts of oil. That's a lot. He poured that on David. David straight up struck oil, y'all. David got him an oil change. Six quarts, that's a lot. But there was a difference between David's life and Saul's, right? Saul was marked by the common, but David the uncommon. Saul was marked by what we would call an official status, but David was marked by intimacy. See, an official person goes, hey, just put a little bit on my head, just... A little bit, a little bit, cheating, cheating gum, you know, whatever. But someone who's in love. Pour it out on me. Yes. Like, they don't care what you do, they're in love. Yeah. So interesting. The aroma. Hey, let's keep going. There's, there's so much more, but I, I wish I had all day because I would take all day. Matthew chapter two, there's another aroma taking place. We know the Magi appear, wise men from the East. Many of us believe it was from Pakistan, these men came. Bearing gifts for little boy Jesus. Now, I know at Christmas, we sing, we three kings of glory and all. It was not just three kings. They say it could have been 20 plus kings that came to little boy Jesus. He was with his mama. He's a little bit older at this point. He's walking, he's doing his thing. In fact, he's probably at the end of Bethsafer, but he's getting to the point where he is at an age where he can you know, understand and identify what's going on. And these kings appear and out of their treasures, they give little boy Jesus gifts of Gold and and Interesting. The most valuable of the gifts they gave little boy Jesus on that day, myrrh, worth more than its own weight in gold. The most precious gift they gave him was an aroma gift. Aroma, aroma. How about the tabernacle? The tabernacle, this is so good. Okay, you have three locations at the tabernacle that we talk about often. The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. Ooh, yeah. Remember that song, take me in to the Holy of Holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. That was a jam. Love that song. But the outer court, everybody can be in. The inner court, only certain people could be in. And the Holy of Holies, only one person could be in, high priest. And even he only went in there certain times once usually, but only once or maybe a couple times a year at extreme circumstances. But I noticed something. The priest would take a censer, which was a a box or an orb on a chain that held incense, and he would go from the outer court to the inner court. He would grab some incense, put it in the box, and go to the veil, six-inch thick veil. And he would take that swinging orb or box with incense in it and stick it beyond the veil and wave it. In the Holy of Holies, before he went in, right in front of the box, the presence of God. Why? To prepare his entrance with an aroma that represents supplication, surrender, and worship, prayer to God. He wasn't willing to go into the presence of God without the aroma of God's worship going before him. Aroma, 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 aroma. This is so good. I wish I could just... Mm, just soak in this like epsom salts in the spirit but in ephesians chapter five we see the aroma coming to us today ephesians five this is so fun i love the bible don't you love the bible this is so good ephesians chapter five this is what it says follow god's example as dear children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He says, follow God's example as dear children. Children. Do you know what Jesus said? Right before this was written, Jesus said this. He says, if you're gonna come to my kingdom, you gotta be born again. You gotta come in as a child. I like to look at it as you gotta come in as a baby. Yeah, because compared to him, you're just a little peanut. He's the ancient of days. you you like, I'm 75. He's like. Pfft. He's like, I got sneezes older than you, <laughs> right? Gee, God, so you're his baby, all right? Let me explain. Aroma, what smells better than a baby? Hold up, a clean baby, <laughs> right? Nothing smells better. I love me the smell of a clean... I'll walk... I'll sniff your baby right now. I don't care how I don't even know you. This is nothing like baby smell. You, man, you can't... Man, shoot. That's better than crack. Did you know the Smithsonian Institute did a 40-year study on the aroma of a baby and the effect it has on its parents? The Smithsonian... We're not talking about some major Christian organization. The Smithsonian Institute. 40-year study. This is what they discovered. The aroma of a baby has a decided effect on its parents akin to drug addiction. They said, in the heart and mind of a parent, the minute they smell their child, it's the same as eating delicious food or complete and total sexual satisfaction. It it, it elicits a response in the parent. That's the emotional. The physical response is two things. When a parent smells their child, bonding and service. Bonding. Man, they hug that baby closer, kiss that baby. Oh my goodness, I'll do anything for that baby. Grandma, you worse. You worse. They said the response in you is worse because you have no inhibitions. you actually say crazy things when you sniff your grandbabies. You're like, I'll just eat you right now. I just, l- I want to pick the lint out of your toes and kiss every toe. Grandma says some crap, but she can do whatever she wants because she's grandma. Shoot. So bonding, you want to hug them, kiss them, squeeze them, and then surface. You'll do whatever the baby wants. You'll go wherever that baby wants to go. Listen, before I had my two sons, I was normal. Then we had two sons. Man, I used to shop at the discount stores. We used to go to garage sales before people started getting cut at garage sales. We used to go do all kinds of stuff that we would get discounts, man. When our boys were born, we didn't care about money anymore. Everything was for them. I went to the baby store and some shoes, and they're never on sale. Adult shoes are on sale all the time. I went to the store. They had some baby Air Jordans. $85. And I bought them. Do you know why? Because I'm a crackhead. I sniffed that little boy. He said, like, That first one was free. The next one, you're going to give me them Jordans. And I went and got that kid that he couldn't even walk yet. The aroma, man, it'll make me do anything. It'll make a man act like a crazy person. Staying up late at night, working extra shift, taking on extra jobs, trying to build a legacy. You didn't think about legacy one time till your kids showed up. Something happens to us when we give birth. Do you understand that the Bible says he is a good, good father and that's the way he sees you. He smells you and the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. One sniff of you and your king goes crazy. You think he doesn't care. Baby, he loves everything about you. Everything, he even loves your smell. You're his baby. There's nothing he wouldn't do for you. Did you notice that in that scripture that we just read, it says that you're his dear children, that you're to walk in the way of love as Christ also did and gave himself up for us. I love how the Bible describes this. A sweet-smelling sacrifice. That in the first Testament, savory, aroma, beef, and whatever it is, a grilled. New Testament, Jesus, sweet. Ooh, that'll preach all day. I don't know about you, but you start your meal with the savory. But when it is finished, hold on, y'all didn't, not everybody got that. You may start your meal with the savory, but when it is finished, you come to the sweet. Though sin entered the world through one man, and thus animal sacrifices were required. They got to the the prophets, and the prophets said, listen, God's tired of y'all killing animals. If you're not going to have a barbecue with him, don't even waste your time. Jesus came and said, no more barbecues. I'll give it all. I'm the dessert baby. This meal is over. The next one is going to be at my house. I hope you're having fun because I sure am. I'm almost done. I'm, I promise I'm, well, not really, but I'm almost something, almost. Mm. Hmm. Second Corinthians chapter two says this. Now, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. I love that. And most of us stop there. Don't stop there. Keep he says, praise be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ. But keep going. He says, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we are the aroma of life leads to life. To the other, the aroma of death. I love that. People are like, why is that good? You'll understand in a second. And who is sufficient for these things? <laughs> You understand what just happened? I'll go backward. It means this. Everywhere you go, you smell like Jesus. So when people meet you, I try to hide out sometimes and see if the funk will get them. I'll be in a restaurant just sitting by myself because I'm in the airport all the time. I'll sit down. I'll even sit at the bar. That's my favorite people don't even know I'll sit right there get my breakfast got my cranberry juice because cranberry juice is from Jesus and I'm sitting there eating my breakfast with my cranberry juice and a guy next to me hey my name is Jimmy oh my name is Alan and they tell you their whole life story (laughs) do you know why you smell like the answer And they get close to you and they go, no, 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 this guy's got something. He's got something. My wife and I were at Starbucks yesterday. Some guy walks up to, we start talking. He's like, you're a believer, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. How'd you know? He goes, I can tell. I smell good. I smell like Jesus. I smell like Jesus. Everywhere you go, the aroma of God. Now, to people who don't know Jesus... It reminds them that if they die, they're not going to make it. So you don't have to convict the world of sin. The Holy Spirit does that. And to people who know Jesus, it reminds them that there's life abundant and sweet and full. And you're an example of the measure of God's grace. You and I are walking around pictures of his perfection, making us right. Not because of us, but because of him. Now, here's my favorite part. The scripture says this. Get up here, worship team. Make me sound spiritual. The scripture says this, that because of Jesus, everywhere you go, when God smells you, he smells Jesus. Oh, you mean Jesus covers me up? No, 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 no. This is how much God loves you. Because of your relationship with God, everywhere you go, when God looks at you, He smiles, and even when he sniffs, there's no distinguishing between the perfect son and you. See, I don't know about you, but I used to think, why would God care about me? I ain't perfect. I ain't doing everything right. Some of this stuff that happens to me, maybe I deserve it. But see, you don't understand who you are. You think you're an adult. You're not. You're a baby. How many of y'all have had a baby in your life at some point? Okay, good. How many of y'all know babies are naughty? How many of y'all know if you come to this parking lot, there's a really good chance, especially if your baby was me, that in this parking lot, there's a few options when you open the car door and let your baby out. Number one, baby runs into the church hugs pastor, hugs first lady, goes to kid's church, gets saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and starts laying their hands on the dog at home. Number two, your kid comes to church and stands by your leg and doesn't leave you. And when it comes to kid's church, they're nervous, but then they go in there, get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, lay their hands on the cat who we know is demon possessed at home. Number three, They run straight for the highway and try to get run over. Now, I don't know which baby you got, but my baby took choice number three all the time. It's like baby has a death wish. And you turn your back for one second to get the other one out the car seat, and pew, they're gone. You turn around, they're 20 feet from the highway running. And you start chasing them, don't you? You see, some of y'all, you ain't smart. You don't chase a baby. You chase a baby... The wrong way, you chase them like, they start running faster. Ah, ah. But if you do the right, if 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 you're a grandparent, you know, you walk fast. Hey, how's it going over there? Hey, are you having fun, baby? Hey, baby, look at that that stick over there. Look at that stick. Because you know, if you get their eyes looking at the right thing, You'll get to them in time. See, the father knew you wouldn't be able to see him right away. So he sent people, starting with Jesus, to be an example. And he says, if you just keep your eyes on Jesus, I'm going to get to you. I'm going to catch you. And when I catch you, baby, I know people say that I'm a God chaser. I say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm a a person Jesus is chasing. I'm the one he chased after. I'm the one he caught and put me in his arms. That's me. Because I ain't doing things right all the time. But he's caught me so many times. He loves you. He picks you up in his arms, smells you. Mm, That's my baby. There's nothing I won't do for my baby. There's nothing he won't do for you. Nothing. So David is watching. As his household, his servants, he's trying to save their lives from destruction. Even the villagers are leaving Jerusalem. As Shimei's hating on him, he doesn't respond the way you think he would. Because David has a more valuable inspiration. He's getting to that fire, that place of where the heat is, and he's smelling and remembering the promises of God. And then, y'all, when he gets into the wilderness and the fire is no longer lit for sacrifice... David does something that's amazing and immeasurably important to our lives. In Psalm, David writes a song. Say what? Yeah. David is running for his life. His own son is trying to kill him, but Homeboy's got time to write a song. Psalm 3. <laughs> I told you, David would walk around and people thought he was weird because he'd go, da-da-da. Everywhere he went, da-da-da. You're like, what does that even mean? What are you talking about? See, not too many years ago, um, I got to go to Israel and I learned um, how Jewish people sing. And I needed to learn it. It was really cool. I'll never forget because we got to call our office and and they said, hey, um, brother Hagee wants to take you to Israel with him. And we're like, yeah, we'll pray about it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and they go, no, no, no. Brother Hagee's going to pay for you to go to Israel with him. I said, well, hallelujah. I just heard from the Lord. We are going to Israel. <laughs> I'm spiritual like that. And we got there. And I went to a home of a, a practicing Orthodox Messianic Jewish man. And over the meal, he taught us a pentameter. I didn't know that nearly all Jewish people in their family have a pentameter. It's a family rhythm, and I still remember it. His was die 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 over the centuries, of course, it's, it's, it's a beautiful pentameter. So we'd sing like, The Lord is great and worthy to be praised. The Lord is the King of all. So every time David wrote a song, he had his own pentameter. So think about it. When we get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, we're going to hear David's pentameter by which he wrote all of his songs. And so think about his pentameter. Everywhere he went, people like, what are you doing? Da-da-da. This is what he wrote when he got to the wilderness, after he smelled the aroma that reminded him of the covenant blessing. I will be your God. You be my people. Walk in the way I command you, and it will go well for you. This is what he wrote. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are they are saying of me, God will not deliver him, but you oh lord are a shield around me my glory and the one who lifts my head high i call out to the lord and he answers me from his holy hill i lie down and sleep i wake again because the lord sustains me i will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side arise lord deliver me my god you struck all my enemies on the jaw break the teeth of the wicked from the lord comes deliverance may your blessing be on all your people Second and final point, how do we endure? Number two, remember your training. What's your training? It's real simple, your history. It's what you've been through. When you know your history, you know that what you've been through, God has always been with you. He's never turned his back on you. He's never tripped you, trapped you, or dumped you. He loves you. He'll never leave you. He'll never walk away from you. He is in love, and you're not just a man or a woman. You are his baby. He's not going to leave his baby laying on the street. He's not going to leave his baby laying in the school. He's not going to leave his baby alone at work. He will stay with you. Here's what you need to know about babies. Babies never lose. I saw that smile. She's like, nobody puts baby in the corner. Babies never lose. Never. My wife will cheat me for my sons. Because in her eyes, they are still infants. Even though my oldest child is six foot nine, she still sees him as an infant. I see him as a consumer of all that I have. She'll take food off my plate and give it to my knucklehead, loving, kind son. Because babies never lose. You're his baby. Thanks be to God. He always causes you to triumph. Always. And through you, the aroma of Jesus will be everywhere. How? By remembering. Remember who you are. And remember what you've been through. He's never failed you before. He'll never fail you the future. Huh. I know there's a song out there that says, Jesus will never fail, has never failed us yet. I don't like the word yet. I love the song though. And I still sing the yet because it's cool, but I'm not waiting for Jesus to fail. That's a futile effort. He's never going to. So I don't look for that. I want to see how he's going to come through for my brothers and my sisters. I want to see how he's going to come through for you. Oh, man. Can you see, David? In less than 40 days, he marches back into the city victorious. His son is defeated. In less than 40 days, everything's turned around. In less than 40 days, Shimei, the hater, comes and kneels at his feet and says, Oh, king, live forever. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean any of that stuff I said. And David goes, well, I ain't going to kill you yet. David never killed him. Solomon did. He busted a cap in that fool Because the man just kept doing it. He just kept doing it, right? Here's what's amazing. David remembered with an aroma. But David also remembered with a song. People ask me all the time, why do we sing in church and why do we act so crazy when we sing? Why is this man jumping around and crazy? Why has this woman lost her mind? Why, where's my other lady? Because that other lady, the, the, the blonde lady, the other lady, she, last week she was going in, y'all. That's right. I was worshiping with you. I love me a radical, buck, wild, holy ghost church that will worship him in spirit and in truth. I love it. Because when we sing... We're reminding ourselves of who I am, who he is to me, and who I am to him. That's what my song does. It reminds me worship is a reminder. He's never failed us. so so a little shepherd boy walks up to David and David's sitting on the ground on a rock in the in the wilderness and he goes, "Hey, David, what are you doing? Da da da." David, what is going on? Da-da-da, I think this man's lost his mind. Da-da-da, what in the world is he? Da-da-da, David. And the little shepherd puts his ear down by David and he hears him say, walking around these walls, da-da-da, I thought by now they'd fall. But you have never." failed me yet what do we say da 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 here we go three waiting for change to come knowing the battles won But you have never failed me yet your promise still stands, your promise, great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness, I'm still in your hands, saying, this is my comfort. sing it white chocolate sing it will will come yes. will you might be going through a difficult night but your morning is here your morning is here yeah I want confidence. I want Jesus. I need a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I need it now. I've let it fall. I've let it go to the wayside, but I want to rekindle my romance with the king. Or maybe you're here and you're watching online. You tap, swiped, or typed in, and you're like, Alan, how do I start a relationship with Jesus Christ? How do I begin it right now? All I want you to do is respond when I say, let's go. I want you to respond. I'm going to count to three. If that's you, I want you to step from where you are and come join me. If you're watching online, I want you just to raise your hand. Just come join me. I'm going to hug you. Now, if you're scared I got COVID, just look at me and go. I'll go put a mask on and then hug you. I'll do whatever it takes to get all up in your business, okay? Because I love you. We are family. Family. Family family it's really hard to love you and not touch you it's a diabolical deception isn't it trying to get us to stop touching I'm dangerous because the Bible says in Matthew 18 verse 19 if I touch you and agree in the name of Jesus anything I ask in his name it shall be done of our father in heaven so I'm careful out there and faithful out there so I can be three in here. Are you ready? You're like, man, I want to start a relationship with Jesus, or I want to rekindle my romance with the King. When I count to three, step and come down here. I'm going to hug you. We're going to pray together. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I just want you to be real, okay? Ready? One, two, three, go. Come on. Come on. You move the mountains and I believe I see you do it. Come on, join me. You made a way. here. Come here. Come here. If you're here and you're like, I want to start this relationship with my dogs. Alright, now, if you're here and you're like, man I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Do you know very few people accept Christ from me going it's the saddest decision I've ever made. No. The Bible says, that Pastor Isaiah said a few weeks ago, heaven goes crazy. Why aren't we going crazy? So, if you're here and you're like, dude, I want prayer or I want someone, I want to start a relationship. I want you to come join me. I'm going to hug you. I promise you. You're stuck with me. Okay? You're going to have chocolate all over you. But here's what I want you to do. Ask your neighbor, say, hey, neighbor, if you want to go up there, I'll go with you. If you want to go up there, I got your back. Ask both neighbors right now. Go, ask them. Ask them. Tell them I got your back. So good to hang out with y'all today. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Come on. Let's party. for listening to the PowerPlace audio podcast. For more resources or to watch the service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org.